Good morning. It truly is good to be with you this morning in this beautiful Lord's Day. And like Ryan mentioned, the weather is apparently going to take a turn on us. Coming up 81, the signs are flashing. No empty commercial vehicles on 81 after, I think, 3 o'clock today. And yet it seems like such a be- it is a beautiful day at the moment. But I told mentioned to Marion, I said, I... Uh, must have been something nice about living years ago when people were naive and you just didn't know what was going to happen. But today it's like the warnings are out there, and I guess part of that's nice too. We can prepare. Brian also mentioned that Wednesday evening you all have another night of winter Bible school, and this morning you're going to have another day of winter Bible school because my winter Bible school topic this year with Keystone was you guys didn't choose to have it, and you're in your schedule. And so I was studying and preparing for it. I didn't, uh, I think it's February when I uh, have three different churches I share it at, but I was preparing for it and I thought it'd be beneficial to share it here this morning. And my topic is, uh, that was assigned to me as eternal security, conditional or unconditional. And so the, the topic itself demands an answer. And this is a a question that has been wrestled with by many people in the New Testament era. Our title very correctly suggests that there are two camps. Some people believe it's conditional. Some people believe it's unconditional. And I could ask the question this morning, is, is this question important enough that believers study the scriptures and decide on on what? what we believe, where we're at on this question, or is it ir- irrelevant? doesn't really matter. Uh, there is, we all know there's a verse in 2 Timothy that says, foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. And the last thing I want to do is gender strife. And, and it, we, don't, we shouldn't even be talking about if it's something that's just irrelevant. And I don't think it is an irrelevant question, or I wouldn't have... Uh, except at the topic for Winter Bible School. And I do believe it's important, and it's what we're going to look at this morning. As we, and I, what I have this morning is a, it's a fairly long introduction. We'll get into the scriptures later. So uh, I think it's important to think about some things. And when we, the topic, eternal security, and we were already talking about security this morning and assurance. And when we think about eternal security, The first word there, eternal, is a word that we as humans, it's very difficult to get, at least for me. Can you get your mind around eternity, eternal? What? Because everything that we know of as humans uh, has a beginning and an end. Everything. It's just, it's the way life works. It's the way, uh, my mother used to say when I get sick or something, this too shall pass. You know, everything seemingly something ha- it passes a beginning and an end. But eternal, the word eternal means uh, time past and future forever. And so you've all heard illustrations already of, of trying to to help us understand eternity. And I just uh, seen one recently that talks about the, the Grand Canyon in Arizona. I'd never seen it. I've saw, seen some pictures of it, talked to people that have saw the Grand Canyon. Probably some of you have seen the Grand Canyon. It's just this huge hole in Arizona, this huge canyon. I think the average depth is somewhere around a mile deep. 
Well, I'm told that it would take, if you were to want to fill the Grand Canyon, it would take 5.45 trillion cubic yards of fill to fill it. And so if if you would hire somebody with a triaxle dump truck, which hauls approximately 12 cubic yards of stone, and you'd say, fill the Grand Canyon, and they would, if they would haul one load in every day for six days a week to fill the Grand Canyon, it would take 45 billion loads or 144 million years to fill the Grand Canyon that God created. And after that, if the earth would stand that long, and after 144 million years, if the Grand Canyon would be filled, that project in comparison to eternity would be like maybe a second. And that's a poor illustration because eternity is just, there's no beginning, there's no end. It's forever. And so we're talking about something that is really, really important. We're talking about eternity and where will you and I be in eternity. And we're talking about uh, security, uh, that our eternal destiny is secure. Now, the, the next thing that plays into this, at least in my mind, is that uh, there is something, and you can't really go to scriptures uh, per se and point to it and say, here it is, but there's verses that allude to it. Uh, Romans uh, 120 is very clear that man is without excuse concerning God's existence. So we know that there that there is an eternal God that exists. We know that. And Genesis uh, chapters one and two make it very clear that we were created by God in his image. And it's also true that generally speaking, if you talk to people, Christian or non-Christian, there is something within the human heart that knows that we are eternal and that there is an afterlife. Even people that are caught up in cults and false religions, most of them involve an afterlife. Now, there are people out there that deny it. Uh, We know that. But generally speaking, there is something, God placed something within the hearts of humanity that we know there's an afterlife and that we will, we're not like, Cats and dogs, we will live eternally. After death, there there is life. The Bible makes it very clear that there are two eternal destinies, heaven and hell. We are born with a sin nature and we are destined for hell if we reject God. But if we accept God when he calls us to himself, uh, John 3, 16, beautiful verse in the Bible uh, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. First John makes it clear that when we are born again by God's spirit, who he comes and takes residence in, in our lives, and the spirit himself assures us that we are a child of God. And so when, when an individual is born again, We become a child of God. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we also have an assurance that we are a child of God. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit telling us we are a child of God. And we have that assurance. 
So our topic this morning is, is that assurance, is that conditional or is it unconditional is what we are looking at and thinking about this morning. Now, when you think about security, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting topic in itself. And when I think about security, I think about my experience with, uh, with height. I am, some people are terrified of height and they don't want to crawl up a stepladder or what have you. I am not, I'm not, I don't love height necessarily, but I enjoy it as long as I feel secure. But if I feel unsecure, I am, I'm not a happy camper. I don't enjoy that. I need to be secure. I remember when I was farming, we had a, a poured concrete silo, 92 foot high. And a couple times a year, I had to crawl up the outside ladder to open the thing up there to fill it. And I look at the silo, it's concrete, it's big, this big, empty, oftentimes empty concrete structure. And I'm going to crawl up the outside. It has this cage around the ladder, which gives a, a little sense of security. And at the same time, if something happens to me medically, if I pass out or something, it's not going to be good. I don't know that cage is going to keep you in there, but you're going to go for a, for a long tumble. You get to the top, and then you have to flip down this little lid to stand on. And you're way up there, and it was just a... But, okay, I did it, but can't say I really, really enjoyed it. But I had a sense of security... Uh, in this big concrete structure that I was climbing. But there's one thing that I could not do. It practically terrorized me. If, you, if you're crawling up a silo, and some of you have experienced this already, and you stop and you look up, and it's a nice, beautiful day with clouds in the sky, and the clouds are going by, it gives you that feeling the silo's falling. And it's just like, ah. And you know it's not. But it, it looks like it is, and it feels like it is, and there you are. And so you feel very insecure. And so you just don't, you don't look at that. You don't look at the sky. You just crawl up the silo. You do what you got to do. You crawl back down. Don't look at the sky. Just don't do it because it gives you that insecure feeling. And my point is that insecurity is very, very uncomfortable. None of us enjoy it. We don't, we don't want to feel insecure. We want to feel secure. And we want to feel secure in our salvation and in our eternal destiny. And it's very important to us. And so this morning, we're looking at, is it conditional or is it unconditional? Most professing Christians uh, believe that it is, I would say by far the majority would say, if we would take a poll this morning, they would say, oh, it's unconditional. Uh, there's no, uh, it's, it's unconditional. When you're born again, uh, you, that's the way you're, you're good. You are, you are uh, secure for, through life and, and into eternity. Uh, Calvinistic teachings are very strong on this teaching and, and promote it. And it's a, it's a very, uh, by far the majority of people, I would say, believe that. Anabaptists and a very few other groups 
Church of the Nazarene is one of the groups, fairly large group. I have a Bible commentary set from the Church of the Nazarene or, and, and it's amazing. I like read, I like using the commentary and it's, it's amazing how it just comes through and it's like, it's different. It just feels different than your other, uh, Protestant commentaries who come out on, uh, on our salvation being unconditional. Uh, at times, we as, as Anabaptists are, are mocked as being, as believing that our, that our salvation is conditional. I've heard it different times, people saying, oh, they, they belong to that group of people that believe you can lose your salvation. And it sounds horrible to, to say it in that way. And, uh, things like that. But I believe that it's very easy to understand and the scriptures are very clear, and that's what we want to look at this morning. What do the scriptures say? It's not important what we think. It's important what the scriptures, what the scriptures actually teach and why, and I think it's important, and we'll look at that later, why we understand and why it is dangerous to believe that eternal security is, uh, unconditional. It's very easy to understand, uh, in very easy to understand language, I should say, what is the difference between the two? Let's just think about what what's the difference between conditional and unconditional uh, eternal security. Well, conditional security, which I believe, is that we are very secure in our in our we're born again. We have assurance that we're saved. We're very secure. As long as, and here, here come the conditions, as long as we love and follow and practice the teachings of Jesus. We're secure. We're as secure as a person could possibly be. Uh, and we don't have to do that in perfection, but we need to have a heart that is bent towards God. And we need to live a spirit-controlled life and follow the spirit. We cannot lose our salvation I don't believe we can lose our salvation. However, we can discard it. We can uh, be sloppy with our relationship with Jesus and we can discard our relationship. We can we can choose to travel a different direction than from the direction that leads to uh, eternal bliss. That's conditional security in my mind. Unconditional eternal security and maybe I can best describe it like this. When I was, uh, as a young Christian, I listened to probably too much so-called Christian radio. And there was a, this program that I would, I would listen to different times where this, uh, minister had people call in with questions. And I just enjoyed hearing some of the questions that would come and, and the way he would answer it and what have you. And one of the questions I noticed after a long time or different times, the questions were often about this very subject, eternal security. And people would call in and they would say, they would say, they'd have questions like this. Pastor, my believing husband left me and our children and is now living with another woman. Is he saved? Or another question, my angry, cheating, alcoholic mother is on her deathbed. Is she really going to heaven? My son, who showed no interest in spiritual things, nor has attended church for many years, 
suddenly died in an accident last week. Where is he? And this pastor's answer was practically always the same. He would say, well, if they prayed the Christian prayer, if they accepted Christ as their savior at some point in their life, did they do that? And they would say, well, yeah, they they did that. And he would say, well, they, they will no doubt lose a lot of rewards, but you can be assured they are in heaven. They are secure because and he, he would often use and he used different arguments. But the one he would often use was uh, he said he said they were born into the kingdom as a, they were a babe in Christ. How can a baby discontinue being a baby and things like that? He would say, and it's like, how can how could this possibly be? Of course, they're they're saved. And then these questions kept coming over months, maybe years. I don't know. And one day uh, I sensed that he was this. Another question came very similar to it. And he said, and he, he had a moment of frustration. He didn't say that, but it felt to me like, like he was, he had one of those, like Solomon in the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, now let's hear the conclusion of this whole matter. Once it's like this pastor is like, okay, now I had it. And he says, look, he says, I want to settle this thing. He says, if a, if a Christian shows, if a person is born again and they're a Christian and they show no interest in God for many, many years, maybe they leave their family, they live a wicked life, they die in the ditch as a drunkard, they are going to heaven. They were, they will lose their rewards, many of them. But they were born again and they will go to heaven. That is, we are unconditionally, eternally secure. And don't ask me these questions anymore. That settles it. That is the, that's pretty much, in, in my words, the, the position of people that believe in unconditional, eternal security. And what we're looking at this morning is, what is truth? First of all, let me say this. I believe there are many people in heaven and will be many people in heaven who were taught and believed in unconditional eternal security. Okay? Uh, it's not, it, it's, uh, I just, I believe that. I believe a lot of people were taught that, perhaps believed it, and, uh, and lived, sold out to the Lord Jesus, lived for him, lived a godly life, and and they will be in heaven. I don't believe believing in, in, in unconditional eternal security would void one's uh, salvation. But I also believe, and this is maybe more important, that there are people who will not be in heaven because they believed it. And that's what makes it very, very dangerous, very dangerous to believe it. There, there are people who will not be in heaven because they believed in this false teaching of unconditional eternal security. And I'll give you an example. So a Christian is living their Christian life and Satan comes along and tempts them. Maybe it's with an immoral relationship with, a, with another person. They're a married individual and, and, they, and they're, they're being tempted with sin and they're like, they're weighing it. The God spirit is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. You're a child of mine. It's not right. Don't do it. And Satan is pulling the other way and saying, no, it's okay. And then they stop and think. 
And I've already heard people make the statement, well, really, in the end, what difference does it make? If you believe in unconditional eternal security, what difference does it make? Yeah, I'll lose some rewards, but I'll give up those rewards for the excitement of the moment and the enjoyment and the pleasure of sin is the reasoning, the human reasoning that they can put play into this thing. And, and, and remember, they used the teaching of unconditional eternal security to leave living a, a life devoted to Christ and to, to fall into uh, living a life of sin. So not only is it an incorrect teaching, it's also a very dangerous one. I believe that now we're going to go into the scriptures and look at what the Bible has to say. But I believe that from from the book of Genesis to Revelation, it is weaved throughout the scriptures uh, that our salvation is conditional. It's weaved throughout the Bible. And when we. When we understand that and we're studying the scriptures and reading through the Bible, it's here. It's there time and time and time again. But before and I want to I want to do that. I want to I'm not going through the whole Bible, but I'm going to go to Genesis and then to Revelation just to show you and then pick up some important things in the middle. But first of all, let's go to Second Peter. Let's go to Second Peter, chapter three. If anyone w- was clear on what Jesus was teaching and on our eternal security, I, I would think that the Apostle Peter and Paul should have clearly understood from the Lord Jesus Christ what God intended for us in our uh, assurance of salvation and our eternal security. And here in Second Peter chapter three, just like to read verses 13 through 18 and just catch what Paul, what Peter is saying. And then he refers to the teachings of Paul. He says, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things. Be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Peter's mind, that's very important. In verse 15, he says, And account or consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom giving unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of those these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. And I would like to just uh, with verse 16, I would like for us to consider that generally speaking, and I'm not saying that that we have everything right, but I believe that as Anabaptists, I believe we we do our best to follow the scriptures. And when I when I read verse 16, I have to stop and consider that generally speaking, people that are wrong 
on unconditional eternal, on, on eternal security, and they have, they believe in unconditional eternal security, there's also other areas that they're very wrong in that we, that, that are very visible and easy for us to understand. And so verse 16 says, uh, Peter says, let's, let's understand that there are people who, who struggle with these things and they do it to their own destruction. Verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Now, Peter here is obviously, he's talking to Christians, he's talking to the believers, and he's saying, look, be careful that you don't fall away from your own steadfastness. Unconditional eternal security uh, paints the picture that that's not even possible for one to fall away from their own steadfastness. And, and Peter makes it very clear. Be careful that you don't let this happen. And then verse 18, in a positive sense, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so Peter makes it very clear. It's important that we go on in our relationship with Jesus, growing with him and that we're not led away and that we don't fall from this uh, position that we are in and that we remain eternally secure. Now, let's go to let's go to Genesis, to chapter one and and then quickly to Revelation and just. Like I said, I, I believe it's it's woven throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis chapter one, in the fourth verse, the, the scripture says, and we're back creation, the very beginning of creation. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from darkness. God has always from the very beginning, God div- has divided light from darkness They cannot coexist. You don't want to go to a heaven that has drunkards in it. You don't want to go there. God has divided light from darkness. And we have it right in Genesis. And then we go, let's go to the book of Revelation and the very last chapter of the Bible and see what the what the scriptures say there in Revelation chapter 22. And verses 10 through 15. And he saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the, of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. He that, is, and this is speaking about, uh, eternity. He that, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. The life that you and I live is of the utmost importance. According as his work shall be. I am I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. And so how does that, how does that coincide? Lay that alongside 
the man who lived a vile life after accepting Christ as a young person and died as a drunkard in a ditch going to heaven. Uh, it, it's, it simply does not. It simply does not add up. And so from from Genesis, from Genesis to Revelation throughout the scriptures, and you can think of the parables, you can think of, of many of the stories in the Bible. Uh, think of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, the, the, a beautiful picture of God and his, 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 love, his loving longing for the prodigal to return. And he did, but he come, he come back and he said, Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me. It wasn't an unrepentant son that came back. It was a son that made things right. And I have a beautiful picture of God there longing for him to come back. And he did come back, but he came back in a repentant way. Now, we need to, as we consider conditional and unconditional eternal security, we have to go to ground zero. And you, a lot of you are already knowing where ground zero is in this subject, and it is the Gospel of John. John and chapter 10 is the, the place where most people believe that, that the Bible teaches an unconditional eternal security, and yet it does not. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. And these are the teachings of Jesus himself. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I will give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. And I and my father are one. And here is, is most times where people will go and say, look, it's so clear. And at the same time, those of us who, who understand the Bible, we see a condition in here. And the condition is, verse 27 my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And brothers and sisters, if we hear the voice of Jesus, we hear, the, we hear his spirit speaking to us, and we follow him, it is not possible for another human being to pluck us out of the Father's hand. We are safe and secure in the hands of Jesus and, and of, of God the Father, we, uh, that is our security. But it is conditional on us following Jesus Christ. And to, to, uh, to try and to, to just take verse 28 and 29. Uh, and it, it's also, I've heard it said this way many times, verses 28 and 29 say, yeah, it's, it's not possible for somebody else to pluck us out that's not possible. But a person, we, we each have a, we have our own passions and desires and, and we have our own will. And it's possible for a per, for you and I to walk away from Jesus. And Peter, in the verses I read there in Second Peter, Peter says, don't fall from your steadfastness. Don't do it. It's possible. 
And it's just important that we know that and we understand it. And our security is in hearing the voice of Jesus and following him. There we are eternally secure. No one can touch us. Satan can't touch us. No man can touch us. Nobody can pull us away from the security and the blessed assurance that we have and we and we uh, enjoy with Jesus. I've often said, uh, you know, one of the things that in life that as Christians that we perhaps don't enjoy is when we do something and the spirit comes and says, you know, that wasn't right. You know, you need to apologize or you need to make that right. And when that happens, it's like, oh, man. But, you know, really, we should rejoice that God loves us that much that he's correcting us, that he's speaking to us, that he's caring for us, that he's dealing with us as a son. It's it, in itself. It's an assurance that we are his child and that we are experiencing uh, that relationship with him. In another portion of scripture that ties into this very closely is in Hebrews chapter six. And let's go there. Hebrews chapter six. There's a portion of scripture here. Where the writer of Hebrews, not sure who it is, but he he makes it very clear on how this all works, how a, a, a Christian, a person can be a Christian and so to speak, discard their relationship with Jesus and and not end up in heaven. Hebrews chapter six, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of the laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good of God, good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Now, let that sink in. The, these verses are talking about there is we can we cannot possibly say that this is speaking about a person that's not born again. It's taught in verses four and five. Uh, we've been enlightened. We've tasted of the heavenly gift. We're partakers of the Holy Ghost. We've tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. God's spirit is in, in this individual working through them and they are. A new creation in Christ Jesus. And then in verse six, it says, remember back in the beginning of verse four, it says, for it is for it is impossible for those who experience this. Now, verse six, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame for the earth, which drinketh in the rain that cometh off cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. And beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. And maybe I'll stop reading there. And just simply 
uh, the way I understand this scripture is that we as Christians, we do not go. Uh, we're not perfect. We, we sin from time to time. And so we we commit this sin. We're not suddenly lost. No, we're we're secure in our relationship with Jesus. Uh, and and God's spirit comes and speaks to us and we make it right. And we we live our Christian life. We're following Jesus as as good as we can, so to speak. But the truth is that if we willingly turn away and we start wandering away from Jesus and we start we take another path, there comes a point in time when God will cut us off. I don't know when it is. You don't know when that time is. Only God. He is a righteous judge. It might be on a person's deathbed. It might be a second before they enter eternity. I don't know, but the scriptures are very, very clear that it will be it, that if a person is born again and they lose their salvation, they they uh, God cuts them off. It's impossible that they could ever be renewed again. And that's what these verses teach. And I, I know we all know that God is a God of grace. We know he's a God of mercy. And I believe uh, in uh, with the prodigal son, I believe God is longing for people to come back to him. And I don't believe this happens quickly. But the scriptures make it very clear here in Hebrews that it does happen. And it can happen and it does happen and it will happen if a person willfully just walks away from God. Lastly, and I close this message this morning with uh, with thinking about our own common sense. Spiritual common sense. Can I call it that? We're spiritual people and we have we have common sense and we also have spiritual common sense. The Bible tells me that we are made in God's image. And so we think like and act like to a degree like God and God's spirit lives within us. And when I was when I was I can still tell you where I was driving on the road. I had was just turning off a route 897 onto Gibble Road when that minister gave his conclusion of the whole matter speech and said how the drunkard dying in the ditches in heaven. And I turned the radio off and don't listen to very much Christian radio anymore. It was just it just like this is there is something about this that is so wrong. It's so it cannot be right. It just can't be right. My common sense told me that there's something wrong about this now. Many of us here this morning are parents. And if, even if you're not a parent, this will make a lot of sense to you. I believe it, it does to me. As parents, we have, uh, I have three children and they're all married. And over the years, we had uh, people come to us and say, or our children would say, I would like to date this certain person. And we would say, well, who are they? And what are they a believer for sure? And, and, and what have you? And we would, so to speak, put our stamp of approval or blessing on the courtship relationship and say, fine, we're good with it. They seem like a nice person. You are intrigued with this person. You seemingly care about them. And so as your parents, we want you to be happy. And we uh, 
you know, yeah, you have our blessing. Do it. And after a half a year, a year courtship, why they got married and and uh, and it's just a wonderful experience. But let's supposing let's just stop and think as godly parents of godly children, if on the eve of the wedding or the morning of the wedding or whatever, they're, they're engaged, which is a perfect picture of our relationship. Remember, Christ is the bridegroom. We are the bride. We are engaged to Jesus. The marriage has not happened yet. We're not safely home in eternity. It hasn't happened. It's still in the future. But we have, we're, we're assured that it's going to happen. But it's conditional on our loving him. And when you take that into the human relationship, there's a parallel that there that we, we have to see and be able to grasp. If on the evening of one of my children's weddings, we would have got proof, pictures, positive evidence that the person they were about to marry was not who they were when they started their courtship relationship. And they're involved in another relationship with one or more people and it's they're living an immoral life. As a father, as a mother, we would plead with our children, don't do it. Call the wedding off. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how many people have been invited. Doesn't call it off. This may not happen. You will have a horrible life married to this person. It may not happen. Remember, we're made in God's image. God will not let it happen. He won't let it happen. The drunkard in the ditch will not spend eternity in heaven. No, God won't let it happen. You and I wouldn't let it happen. And neither will he. He is a just God. And you and I are, we are so uh, in, in our Christian life, in our relationship with Jesus, and we, we have assurance. But our assurance is based on our relationship with Jesus. I looked at that concrete silo and I said, it'll hold me. You and I can look at Jesus and say, it'll hold me. It's good. It'll hold me. Don't take our eyes off of Jesus. Live for him and we will never, ever be disappointed. That's what the Bible teaches from Genesis to Revelation. And it's important that we understand that because the truth is it helps us to live a faithful life. Knowing, just knowing that it's possible for me and it's possible for you to wander away from our relationship with Jesus. And we don't want to do that. And we were set on not doing that. And as we live our life that way, we have assurance that we are a child of his and we can uh, we can enjoy that realization. And it's real. We don't go to bed afraid that if we die in the middle of the night, that we won't go to heaven, that we won't know. We don't do that because we know because uh, as this. Old lady in our church used to say, who's, who's not with us for many years, I keep short accounts with God. In other words, I'm up to date in my relationship with God. And as long as we're there, we have assurance. And as long as we're living a life that is 
pleasing to God, we have perfect assurance. Our salvation is beautiful and our eternal uh, destiny is secure, but it's conditional. And it's important that we know that so that we get home safely. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for what the Bible teaches us and that we can know and understand the truth of it. Help us, Lord, to cherish the eternal security that we have and enjoy and help us to know that it's conditional, that it's based on our love relationship with Jesus and our following him, following his teachings and living a life that he has has called us to live. And thank you for each one of my brothers and sisters here this morning and just ask that you would continue to guide and direct us in life, continue to shower that assurance of our salvation upon us and help us to know that it is conditional and that we, only we, are the ones that could choose to walk away from it and help us to never do that. Help us to live a life that is, that is pleasing to you. I just ask that you would continue to guide and direct us as we live our lives for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray.